This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Welcome to the things that matter. My name is Maritza. I'm a native New Englander, now living in the South, managing the business world while keeping my own mental health in check. I've always had a fascination for the brain and behavior and anything neuroscience related. The world can feel overwhelming at times, especially if you don't understand yourself. I thought I did for years before being diagnosed with anxiety and depression. I'm here to show you that you are not alone. I wanna inspire you as a listener to be that empowered individual that you know lives deep down in your heart. But I will be the first one to let you know you cannot get there without working on yourself. It starts right here, right now. You can make a difference in someone's life, no matter how small it seems. We need community, we need collaboration, we need people. Welcome to another episode. Today I have a special guest. I have my dear friend, Nicole Brooker. Welcome, Nicole. Hi. It's nice to have you on here today. I always start with the story of how we met, but I'm going to let you tell the story of how you remember (laughs) meeting me. (laughs) So go ahead. So it's really funny. Um, yeah, I will say this. This is this is a plug for going to big state universities. So um, Maritza and I know each other because we both went to Florida State. Um, go Knowles. Having a good year. Yay. Football school again. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but uh, I don't jinx us. Um, it, what's funny is we met in Boston when we were both broke and young and like in our early 20s. Um, through mutual friends, probably screaming at a television during football season and in a bar. Um, but, uh, it, you know, when you're chatting to people and you're like, oh, do you know so-and-so? Oh, did you hang out at this thing? I promise there's like pictures of us at the same parties and uh, and, and kind of running with the same crew because her, uh, Maritza's business fraternity were my best friend's neighbors mm-hmm. so, uh, <laughs> in college. So there's a lot of weird overlap of people that we know, um, which – makes a lot of sense plus people kept confusing us for one another at the bar and they're like oh you guys are like twins oh this and this and I'm like I have twin sisters I don't think we look like twins but um it come to find out later there's like random stories where people have confused us um as far back as as college so um yeah yeah, they always said I look like someone else and now I think I know who that is (laughs) yeah that's me it's so funny and I've seen pictures yeah I don't think we look that much like either but like there are pictures that I see of you Nicole where I'm like Wait, I thought that was me for a second. And I think you do the same thing with me totally. sometimes. <laughs> totally. Like, I think when you fit, like you just did the AI yearbook and mm-hmm. there's like a Kristen Stewart like photo. And I'm like, that actually looks like me in high school. Yeah. Like, that, like, <laughs> like this does look like my yearbook photo. That's um, so funny. It's like, oh, they just got the wrong person. Um, but you yeah, try no, yours what's, too. What's be cool the same. About, <laughs> I know. Uh, what's cool about uh, friends that you sort of bond with, I think when you're in your early 20s is like if you stick with those friends you just have them forever so here we are a while later in our lives <laughs> um different cities we've both moved you're in charlotte i'm in la um still still friends um mm-hmm. still make time for girls trips still make time for facetimes um still make time for for group chats and 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 kind of all of that kind of stuff that you you need can't yeah. just send memes. Got to be deeper than memes. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like our group chats. I mean, I'm the one who participates least. I will say that. Not because <laughs> I, I want to, but I just, I'm not a texter. And so they're texting all day and I feel bad. I respond once every so often. But 
it we do talk about she's it like a lurker <laughs> she's like a lurker in the friend text like you, like you'd be on reddit like she'll just pop up and then all of a sudden be like and these are all my opinions <laughs> and we're like oh great marita's alive um and then we're like what city are you in and she's always like vegas or rome or i don't know sometimes charlotte i guess yeah but. sometimes charlotte um yeah but we do talk about everything which i love we i mean everything from like you know, current issues to politics to just the funny stuff and the silly stuff that is needed as well. So I love that. And yeah, we have an that... ongoing, um, how is this comfortable mm-hmm. with our dogs? <laughs> it's like our dogs are just like splayed all crazy. Like my dog's name is Lemmy. He's like 35 pounds of hell. He's like a little rescue. We got him the, like two days before the pandemic lockdown mm-hmm. um, in Los Angeles. So we like didn't know what we were doing. It'd be like somebody just handing you a child. Here you go, and then you can't go anywhere. Um, but so yeah, there's there's lots of like dogs in our in our group chat or things like that. But. Yeah, love that. So on this podcast, we talk about all things mental health and really just wellness in general and how we keep sane with the busy world around us. So we'll get started. Um, like where to? Where to? Let's think. Um, so I'll let you get started with. A little bit about your background, Nicole, um, kind of what field you're in, um, how you got to where you are today. In summary, <laughs> I'll let you go from here. Of course, in summary, yeah. pretend I'm on a 30 minute interview. Yeah. This is my two minute spiel. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I went to Florida State. Uh, I somehow ended up ma- uh, majoring in advertising um, and I was like a nerd. I worked full time, but I went to school full time. I really, really wanted to be a brand planner or strategist. We kind of call it couple different things, but essentially that's what I do now. So my whole job, um, is to come in and be the person who's like the insights whisperer to be the person who identifies the most interesting problem for a brand or a business to solve and then help them better connect with the person they're solving it for. So sometimes that's like building entire new products. Sometimes that's about partnerships. Sometimes that's like, make me a Super Bowl commercial. Um, you know, it, it kind of varies. Um, and it's, it's also how I ended up in Los Angeles. So I, bounced all over. I've lived in a bunch of big cities and stuff. And, um, one of my jobs asked me and I'll never forget it. It was like the first week of May and there was snow on the ground in Boston. And my boss thought I was interviewing in LA cause I was on, ho- I was on vacation. Uh-huh. Um, also my husband's British. So sometimes I use British words like holiday instead of vacation. So yeah. Bear it's with okay. me. I just used so that was, a second ago, uh, but I think it's cause I was just in Portugal and my client went on holiday for you know, a month. <laughs> Dude, so it's nice. called holiday, not vacation, because they actually take like a month. Yeah. Like, sorry, I'm on ANL. I'll see you in three weeks. <laughs> Everything can wait. And you're like, oh, I wish I was like you. Um, but I, uh, my boss at the time was like, hey, we're opening an LA office. Do you want to go? And I was like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It is snowing in May. I'm a tropical <laughs> people. Get me out of here. Um, and and I've been here for 11 years. Um, no longer with that job. But I, I basically. Long story short, about six-ish years ago, I was working at this big, gnarly creative agency, very famous, does all this amazing work that you've seen. I used to work on, like, the year in search for Google, and, like, our team did that, and it would, like, make you cry every year. So, like, mm-hmm. I always joke that I've, I've probably made you cry because <laughs> it's, like, 30 million people watch this. You're probably one of them, um, you know, things like that. But uh, I just was burning to a crisp, mm-hmm. like the agency it's it's called 72 and sunny and they're lovely they're a cult they like slow clap to start meetings it's weird i still have a lot of friends there but um to to be successful in the creative industry 
we always think that you have to kind of drink the Kool-Aid really hard and you have to be a, a member of the cult, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I always said that like at that point I was I was so burnt out that uh, it felt like there was cyanide in the Kool-Aid instead of sugar <laughs> and that I was like drinking to my death. Yeah. Um, simultaneously, I met my husband who does not work in creative industry, does not work in advertising at the mm-hmm. time. He's like a postie who's going to school to be a barber. We met through mutual friends when he was on holiday out here. And I was just like, you know what? The universe is 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 pointing me out of this place. Mm-hmm. I got to go. And so one day I just like sat on the patio, pretended I had a big meeting and just built my website, <laughs> talked to a few people and decided to quit my job. <laughs> um, and uh, I've been a freelancer and a consultant ever since. So I still do similar work, mm-hmm. but I get paid more for it. I stress less. I say no more. Um, and I don't know, man, it's kind of nice out here. I didn't mean to stay freelance, but mm-hmm. six years in January, we're still, we're still running. Like <laughs> Nice. Uh, yeah. This gives me lots of different kinds of problems and people to work with. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. and you that's get to choose. not relegated to the same thing. Yeah. You get to choose. I think there's going back, we're going to skip, we're going to go back and then come back for here, but I want to go back cool. to Boston and just like how the agencies were and like work-life balance, like living in Boston, <laughs> working for an agency. <laughs> I just want to talk about what uh, that looked like. Cause I could go Jesus. into what I, what I did when I first graduated, but I well, mean, how yeah. did that look? Like, what did it look like at work? In the, we're gonna have to, we're gonna so have to put a year I, to this, so they kind of have an idea. But like, twenty ten ish. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I graduated in twenty ten. So that means I had to be an unpaid intern the summer before and mm-hmm. take out a student loan for the privilege of getting people coffee and like editing decks, which were just like presentations, slide presentations, and like basically being someone's bitch for a summer in, mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. So I'm, I'm geared up. I've got my book ready. I'm like going, I went to New York and I fucking interviewed in like eight agencies in two days just for a post-grad internship. And it was just like, please God, someone pay me. Yeah. So got another student loan to move to New York, ended up there for like four months, no full-time job, got a full-time job in Boston. I'd mm-hmm. never even fucking been to Boston except to interview. Yeah. <laughs> and I go and I'm like, okay, Oh God, here we go. <sighs> and then I, I got there and I realized one at the time, Uber didn't exist. So all you had was cabs at night. The T didn't run at night, the train. Mm-hmm. So like if you're trying to make, and there's no happy hour. Mm-hmm. So like if you're, there's this like pilgrim law there. So you can't like, if you're 22 years old trying to make friends, you're just like, where, where do I, what do I do? Yeah. And so what happens is all of your friends either become like football people from Saturday or your coworkers, which is really the root of the the beauty and the and the and the horror of creative industries. Yeah. So because you you never leave it. Mm-hmm. Like you dream in it. Like you 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 like it. It was just really rough. But it was a lot of young, smart, kick-ass people, very very broke, um, working in <laughs> big creative agencies with big budgets, making stuff for brands like Progressive Insurance and McDonald's, mm-hmm. and like just trying not to screw up. Um, and you worked all the time, like you mirrored your bosses and your bosses were just hanging on to their asses because they just went through a recession. Yeah. So they're all there 60 hour weeks. You're there at least 60 hours a week. Mm-hmm. We had a Twitter account that would tell us when there was extra food outside of meetings because <laughs> none of us ever got to leave to like go to lunch or we were poor. We were like, ah, shit, there's sandwiches over there. What up? Like, That's you it. know, it was oh like, it was a weird time, man. Yeah, it was that- very weird. Like even thinking about when I went to work, like I was in sales, but, and that was not my degree. My degree was in marketing, but for the life of me, couldn't find a marketing job, you know, 2009, 
right after everything went down. So um, I got into sales and I will say, (laughs) as you do. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh gosh, like even looking at our generation, like, well, first off, I was in fashion design when I started college. And I remember even the internships then, I could have went to New York for an internship. I could have went to LA, but I would, like you, I would have been paid nothing. And I would have had to figure that out financially. So those were the internships. And then I did find an internship when I switched to marketing, but it was a stipend. So it was a stipend. I want to say it was only like, I want to say it was like one to two K for working like 20 hours a week for a good amount of time, <laughs> a whole semester. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't a lot. It's illegal now. Did you know that? I it's didn't know that. To have like unpaid interns. <laughs> At least in California, if you're in like an advertising agency, yeah. you got to pay them shits. Wow. Like, and our minimum wage is like 15 bucks an hour. So like, not that that's great and like cost of living wise in LA, but like you at least get paid. And I didn't even get a stipend. I didn't get anything. I had to yeah. move here. I had to Crazy. take out a student loan to be an unpaid intern. <laughs> I believe I was it. like, never again, guys. Yeah. And then even never my, again. my first job, I remember I, I had to work. So it was a, it was a salary, but you, <laughs> the thing about this, you had to work 58 hours a week to make that salary. It was like 50 something like, you know, so it was like, <laughs> yeah, I got paid a salary, like a base rate and then overtime. But if I didn't work that, that those hours a week, which were on my schedule anyhow, like I wasn't getting paid like my salary, which is also crazy to think like, but I put in the hours, like I would work 12 hour days too. And, you know, have like random days off during the week. Like that was my life, but we both went through it. And I think it led us to where we are now. It was horrible. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It was horrible. I'm glad I I had you guys. So now, yeah, right. I'm glad I had friends and I could just like, I, I always joke that I had like a poor ad woman's fridge and people are like, what's that mean? I'm like, there was a bottle of vodka in the freezer and like a Trader Joe's frozen meal and like maybe <laughs> eggs, maybe. Right. Like, you know, it was, it was bad, man. It was like trauma bonding with yeah. your coworkers. <laughs> but it's also the reason that in, in advertising and in creative industries, the majority of the people who used to go into those jobs were upper class white kids. Mm-hmm. They, um, their mommy and daddy, my mommy is the CMO. My mom is the CMO of Campbell's or whatever. Like you yeah. never knew if you were like shitting on somebody or something was difficult. Like, and you're like, Oh crap, your dad is the boss of our clients. Uh, like there was a lot of nepotism. Um, yeah. Is and, it still and that because way? those people could afford to make 28. That's true. Yes. But those people could afford to make 28 <laughs> grand a year, you know, cause they didn't fucking like, there was a woman who worked with me who her aunt was a, was a C-suite executive at a massive, massive, massive company. And she somehow had, uh, she was like just destroying the system cause she didn't make any money at Arnold. Mm-hmm. She ended up in like a rent stabilized, like high rise, beautiful apartment. She didn't need, she had like three houses. They just went in her name, but she ended up getting that because her salary was so low. And I was like, the poor people, we were like, we didn't even know that that program existed. <laughs> right. You only know it exists because you're rich. <laughs> so are you. That's another anyway, problem. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I guess take whole, it. But yeah, today I would say, Oh, yeah. I was going to say, take it to today. Yeah, like what you've learned, like when you, and by the way, that was brave of you, very brave of you to like leave everything, like leave that security and, you know, as much as it was, was what it was, like you left that to start your own thing. And yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, it's really interesting. So now, so I spend half my time, uh, like in consulting roles. So with heads of marketing or innovation or sometimes I'm doing operational change, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Um, so I'm, I'm hanging out with like, I'm, I'm kind of a, a C-suite secret weapon is sort of how I brand myself. It's like, I can be the bad guy. 
because <laughs> I'm not here. I, I, I'm not trying to get a bonus. I'm not just like rowing the boat, right? Yeah. Like I can, I can rock that shit. It's okay. Like I always joke with, like I always have weird analogies. I feel like I speak in analogies. It's just maybe it's the old Southern man inside me. Um, <laughs> it connects with people, but it's though. like. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, it's like you hire me when you no longer want to tread water when you want to surf. Mm-hmm. Like when you want to like do some damage, you want you bring me in as a change agent and a change maker. Um, but I still also work a lot with advertising agencies. And some of my favorite clients are ad agencies because they're just fun still. Yeah. Like there is like perpetu- there's perpetual kindergarten in the walls <laughs> of an advertising agency. And what I mean by that is like lots of big pictures, lots of cool stuff. Nobody is an expert, even if you have an expertise, because you are mm-hmm. constantly learning things. There's the world is as culture and the world changes. We have to kind of pay attention to that, um, not because we're trying to like culture vulture it necessarily, but because we need to understand how people feel. Yeah. Um, and in order to either change products for them, sell them stuff, um, or or just behave respectfully mm-hmm. um, and differently as a as a company and a business. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I will say though, these youths, man, it's so different. (laughs) Like if you're like 23 right now and you work in advertising, you work hard. You probably still work the kind of hours you worked, but I am in awe of their ability to like say no. Yeah. And their ability to like, be like, yeah, no, I've got to go to yoga at six. I'm out. (laughs) I used to expense my yoga cancel fees back to my agencies. (laughs) Be like, well, I am, I am going to. You're paying my $15 cancellation fee, making me stay here. And these kids are like, no, bye. I'm going to go help you tomorrow. And I'm like, holy shit, you're doing it. Um, and it, and it can be like frustrating as the manager, mm-hmm. but you're also just like, yes, kid, you not even kids are adults, but you're just like, stick it to the man. I know I am the man right now. You go. <laughs> like, I'll take on more of this work so that you can have some balance. Um I think we're all still trying to learn how to how to have balance, especially in creative industries, because you are it is a bit manic. Like mm-hmm. you you get into flow and you get into this like I have a whiteboard in my office right now that has scribbles all over it. And sometimes it has paper tape to it. And sometimes it just has like weird outlines of stuff. Sometimes it's three in the morning and I wake up and I'm like, oh, this is the cr- I, this is the thing I've been waiting to crack. And I'm like writing myself a, a little novella of like the story I need to tell or mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Um yeah, it's, it's a wild one. Where do you turn to stay in touch with the city around you? Broadcast news isn't what it used to be. And commercial radio doesn't scratch that itch. If only there was one place you could get it all. When you want. Wherever you want. On your schedule. There is. The Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city on your schedule at queencitypodcastnetwork.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. What have you learned? Like, you know, what's the biggest things you've learned, like adjusting to your own, your own role and your own own boss? (laughs) First, huge respect to anybody who does operations. Um, I'm a strategist. I'm a writer and like a creative thinker. And then all of a sudden I had to write start doing work back schedules. Um, and I had to start doing things that were like invoicing and business administration. And, um, you know, you, cause I, I'm a small business. That's what I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to, I have to operate as such. Um, I think the biggest thing though, for me as a freelancer is, and you kind of said it earlier when you were like, Oh, there's freedom in that is the freedom to say no. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to kind of, I used to be that person who worked so hard. I would get sick on vacation. Yeah. I got it. I don't know if you've ever and been that person. I literally like have times. And then feel guilty because you got sick and then you had to go back to work and you were still sick. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. And then you're, and you're still sick and you're still fucking sick. And I'm like, I would get the flu. And then people are like, dude, I've never met somebody who's had the flu like as many times as you. And I'm like, I think it's because I would just burn so hard. Yeah. And then I would just collapse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't do that anymore. Yeah. I, I, I don't let myself burn that hard. Um, I, I, it, being a freelancer is an amazing, um, it's, it's stressful because the work is, it's feast and famine. Sometimes you're busy as hell. I bought a house as a freelancer, like mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, that doesn't happen. It was a fit. It was a feast year this year, <laughs> kind of a famine year. I'm not working as, as heavily as I was. That's okay though. I, I, you squirrel away like stuff for the winter, right? Like, and you do keep yourself busy with like other projects and, and stuff comes in. It always mm-hmm. comes. It always comes. Um, if you're good at your job, you will always have work. Um, but it's just so interesting now because I just, I don't get sick on vacation because I take time off. I'll be like, <laughs> I'm going to do this thing where I run really hard for three months. Yeah. I'm going to run. I live in like a European. I take three months and I run really hard. And then I take a month off and yes. I go to the gym and I cook and I like, you know, and I try to, I, I'm trying not to make my balance like on off. I'm trying to make it actually balanced. Right. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, no, Nicole, you can cook dinner on a Tuesday when you are working. Like, you know, like all of those things. But um, yeah, man, it is crazy. The power of the word no. Like mm-hmm. my my therapist always says no is a complete sentence. And I think she took that from like Al-Anon or something. Um, uh, but some of those little like wisdoms from from things like Al-Anon are, are just brilliant for the rest of your life. Like no is a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Like how freeing is that if you really think about it? Do like you, just say no. Yeah, no. that's crazy. Do you remember – do you have that moment where you remember saying no to the first like big project that could have been like a lot for you and you were like, I got to say no. I got to say no. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's been a few. Um, I had one – it wasn't the first time. Okay. Because, uh, but I've had I've – had, I've had a good – like I had a big project come up from Meta – Mm-hmm. and um, I fucking hate them. Like, sorry if this is, like, bad to say on a podcast, but, like, and I, it's your opinion. will never, ever work there. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I, like, as a, like, a lot of people in creative industries are like, oh, I can't work on things. There's certain things you won't work on. Like, I don't work on tobacco. Mm-hmm. So I worked on the Truth Campaign twice, the anti-smoking yeah. uh, campaign, and I have been hit up. I've had to say no to to jewel twice mm-hmm. like and it was a pile of money the first time a pile of money and i was just like no i don't I, I think you guys are horrible people like you as a regular human working there might be nice but like what you do and what you stand for i've read the master settlement agreement with big tobacco mm-hmm. hell no did you see i'm that not working they on just this. released so a documentary a few- on like uh well, it was on different things, but oh, Netflix for did. opioids. Yeah, yeah I was like on crisis. like things that are like poisoning the the world. Oh. And Jewel was like mentioned and yeah. like how they the imaging and the, the the targeting. It's like they modeled the tobacco campaigns, but yet, but yet Dude. the people who love Jewel, the kids, like the youngins, like they don't they won't yep. smoke a cigarette. They're like, no, I don't do that. That's that's disgusting. They don't think they smoke. Yeah. This is the thing, right? So they don't think they smoke. And I'm like, a vape is a, is is worse. Yeah. Because actually, I'm gonna get nerdy real quick. I've turned I've ter- taken a left turn. <laughs> so the whole thing with like 
Philip Morris actually owns like Altria Health owns a lot. All these companies are like multiple little, you know, business units underneath them Mm -hmm. and they all do really messed up stuff. And so when you look at a company like Jewel pretending that they aren't a problem, when we would do the advertising campaigns for truth, um, it was actually the CDC that was funding that. So like it was the government that was paying for it out of the money from the master settlement agreement with big tobacco, because Mm -hmm. when big tobacco got sued for this, um, they basically all pled the fifth and just like signed a settlement, right? Yeah. Kind of similar to what's happening now with like pharmaceutical companies and opioids. Um, we, as a, as a collective, like the hundreds of like, thousands of people who've worked on truth over, over the years, like it's brilliant campaign. I mean, it was like, it, it, it was, it did such a good job that we got the teen smoking rate down beneath 5%, which means it was no long, longer endemic which means yeah. it no longer needed CDC support. It was done. <laughs> wow. And then vapes came to America. Mm-hmm. And as soon as vapes came, you grabbed the average like 16-year-old. They didn't want a cigarette. They wanted a jewel. Yeah. And you were like, no, <laughs> like all of the work we've done, shit. You're just watching it like implode. You're like, okay. And and Jules and, and I'm picking on Jewel because they're just the most prevalent brand. Mm-hmm. But like vapes as a, as a whole, at least in the United States, because our regulatory system is very different in different countries based on different products. Um, we don't know what's in those. Mm-hmm. Very similar to if you go buy a pack of Marlboros, there's like stuff in that. It's not tobacco rolled up and stuck with a filter. Yeah, There's actually chemicals that they add that they would use in like embalming fluid. Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty gross when you like get yeah. deep on it and it, it, it's nasty. But like there's certain – so I've said no to Jewel a few times. I've said no – to um, a big project with Meta, just because I'd worked on Instagram back in the day. They're lovely. They were great people. Um, I just look at some organizations and I think you have, like, I always say with like agencies, like creative agencies, agencies have agency. We have a responsibility to put good things in the world and not make people feel like shit because they can't afford a pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and I think that companies like Meta allow themselves to be, they're just tricky. They do a lot of like stuff that I just don't agree with morally. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just like, I don't want to work for you. And it feels, and I, they get shook when you tell them no, when companies like that, they're like, I'm sorry, you don't want to work with us. And I'm like, no, <laughs> and I just would feel I'd hate myself every day. I like left agencies to not I hate myself. Like I don't, I don't want to hate myself. Um, but then I do work with organizations. Like I, like uh, I'll work with like healthcare startups. I'll work with, I've worked with Google a few times. I'll work with like big and small companies that, do stuff that I think is pretty awesome and, and does have impact and does have reach and you can measure it and you can feel good about it. Mm-hmm. But man, stuff like, <laughs> and I have friends that are like, all right, you don't want that jewel project. I'll take that money. And I'm like, track on player. Like I'm good. Like I just can't do it, man. Well, I think there's something like, you said too. And like- I've also broken contracts. Oh, yeah. People being crazy. Well, that's good to that. have that. Like, yeah, I was going to say, I think there's something to be said too about like, just like, and I know we've talked about this and like having, knowing your worth and knowing your value and just knowing, knowing that too, yeah. because that can be hard when you get contracts that, you know, look great, but like, they don't want to pay you what you're worth or what you, you know, Ugh, value your time no. for. So, and I know you've experienced. This is my like huge pet peeve. I know nobody can see me right now. I've literally got my hands on my head. Like I hate people. So I, this is another problem in like freelance land and creative industries. We forget what we're worth Mm -hmm. a lot. It's easy to panic 
when you haven't had a project for a few weeks and be like, oh yeah, I guess I can do that for that. It shouldn't be so bad. It's like, no man, give an inch, I'll take a mile. Like you have to know what you're worth. You have to know what it's worth to them Mm -hmm. as well. Like we have day rates and project rates and things like that. But it's like, if I'm about to make this thing for Joe Schmo company, that's a billion dollar company, I'm going to add a zero. Like I, I'm not going to do like settle for like a super low day rate. Mm -hmm. I will be probably a lot cheaper than you know, a big gnarly consultancy and I'll bring a little band of smart people in on it and still do it cheaper. I don't believe in like price gouging people or, or anything like that, but it's just like, man, I'm, I'm seeing some of the rates that people are charging. And I'm like, sis, you got 20 years of experience. $800 a day is not it. Mm-hmm. Like you have to pay your own health care, You have to pay your own vacation. You have to pay your own working space. A lot of the times now that we're like, a lot of freelancers are permanently remote. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't go into an office. We're, we're dealing with that. So I, I always advise people that are freelancing or consulting to think about their ceiling and their floor mm-hmm. for their like rates, right? Think about like your your big dog money. This is like, you know, Meta's called, Google's called, whoever it is. This is your, like they can afford you mm-hmm. and then be willing to negotiate. And then your little guy rate, like, this person, this is a 15 person operation, you know, and you really want to help them save the world or whatever it is, be willing to be flexible on your rate. But I say no a lot to people who are like, Oh my God, we have this amazing thing. And we've just accidentally burnt our budget on the wrong person. Can you do this for two grand? And I'm like, absolutely not. If if this is, I was scoping this as an $18,000 project, kick rocks. Like, (laughs) no, like, yeah, I will happily find you a junior who can support someone on your existing team that will do that for that money, but they will not do it all because you will not take advantage of them like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, have a, I have a big Robin Hood complex about like people taking advantage of people. I hate it. Like I'm like no, I mean, pretty gnarly about that kind of stuff. It's good to like know that in like the back of your head too. Like this is what this is what this feels like and this is what it is. Um, yeah. With that said, um, how do you keep that mindset that, you know, pushing forward like I'm going to get more projects. Like, I know you said it, but like, how do you, do you just keep awareness around that? Like, I know things will come. How do you, how do you, how do you do that? Out here doing the freelancer project dance. Um, no, I think part of it is that like, it, we are brands, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's your reputation. It's like, don't be an asshole. Like people talk, um, you know, don't price gouge people. Don't like, just know, know the value you provide and know how to articulate that value. Um, and, and know what you're good at and what you're not. Like, I think for, for me, knowing the next project, that's kind of, <clears throat> sorry, I keep like coughing. Um, uh, I blame you, Austin. I blame you, Dustin, Austin, Texas. Um, she but, was just um, in Austin, I think Texas. The next, that's, that's where that comes from. <laughs> yeah. That, yes. Yes. Um, I was at ACL this weekend. I am coughing a lot. Um, I think it's a little bit of like, to be a freelancer or consultant or to work in a creative industry, you have to, even if you're the most curmudgeon person on the planet, you you have to come from a place of hope mm-hmm. all the time. And I think when you're, you know, the next project will come because it always comes. Yeah, like, there's always going to be I love somebody who needs your, something no that they this. don't provide. I was going to say, no one can see this, but you said that with a smile on your face too. Like, you know, you know, yeah. it's going to come. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it comes. And then the other way I look at it, like if it falls apart, like my dog chose violence. I had an interview for a project a couple weeks ago. I first, I wasn't feeling great and I should have just rescheduled. My husband was on the road. I was like, it's cool, man. I could do this. Just shoveling me on the couch. That's my dog's name. And just like, let him sit. 
let me tell you, as soon as I dialed in, violence. He just he just broke out in violence. He wouldn't stop squeal barking. You'd th- you would have thought somebody was stood behind me trying to murder me. But no, it's me and like two people on a call that are interviewing me that don't know me, mm-hmm. who've only looked at my book, who like are asking me like pretty tough questions, as you should if you're about to spend money on bringing a partner on. And I was just like, guys, I'm so sorry. I know I've got noise canceling earbuds in, but my dog is absolutely going off. And the irony here is this was for a pet care brand. And like at the end, I was like, I know I have like not been able to answer any of your questions. I sound like such a fraud. I am terrible. And I was like, I thank you. I, I'll send you some work samples. I know it goes nowhere. And then I felt horrible for the person who introduced me. And I was like, hey, you know, when the universe, like our, our, our best friend, uh, one of our best friends, her name is Michael. She always calls it a cosmic two by four Uh, and the universe just like smacks you. Like you just, (laughs) boom, you have an injury or you're sick or like a project doesn't work out or something goes down. And I just like, I emailed this woman who'd introduced me and I was like, yo, cosmic two by four. I (laughs) am so sorry that I made you look bad. My dog would not shut up. Normally I can like get away from it. I couldn't, Mm -hmm. but in saying no, having them say no to me, actually something else came along that turned into this just like, amazing cool i i've been doing like psychological safety operational change for a massive creative organization and it's just like i wouldn't have had time to do that yeah so that's awesome you know, so it really worked out the universe, yeah. universe points you and i know we we won't talk about that specific project but i know you've kind of delved delve a lot into the psychological safety and what that means yes Can you go into yeah so I'd fascinating to hear more about that dude Okay, cool. So again, like I said, perpetual kindergarten, right? Always learning. Um, There's this woman. Um, So first, psychological safety sounds terrifying, right? It's like, sounds like somebody's got a gun to you, right? Or like something, or it sounds a bit like, um, (laughs) yeah, it sounds a bit like you're like, uh, I'm trapped in the bank and I'm, it's being robbed kind of vibe, right? Like, no, it's, it's not what it is. So there's this woman, um, believe her she's a doc she has a doctorate so i'm just gonna call her doctor dr amy edmondson um and she wrote this amazing book um called the fearless organization um and basically rewind the clock uh, 20 30 years i'm butchering this right now i should probably clean this up because i have to present something on this this week but she um was doing all of this research around how teams work together mm-hmm. like what how do you make a team how do you make a dream team that's not a basketball team right like how do you make a team within a company who work really well together mm-hmm. and so they were doing all this research in hospitals and they were like cool so you know scientific method hypothesis teams that work better together cna doctor nurse whatever mm-hmm. in a hospital setting are going to make less mistakes right goes to reason if you're if you're top tier you're performing well together you have openness you're uh, unafraid to take risks, all the things. You're going to be a great team, less mistakes. Yeah, that would make sense. When the data comes like back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, makes sense. You're like, yeah, I can be like, shut up, Gary. Like, no, <laughs> like, or whatever it is. Um, I don't know why Gary just came out, but like, <laughs> Gary is the, is, the, is the baddie in this story. So what was crazy, though, is like, they go into it blind. You know, she's not telling all of her assistants, like, what her hypothesis is. They're uh-huh. just looking at the data. And they find the team who get on the best, the teams who are getting on the best are actually reporting more mistakes. Yeah. So and so then like... you're like, <laughs> yeah, right. So then you're like, oh shit, is Gary getting drunk at lunch? Like, are they like doing marks? <laughs> like, are they like, at, like what's happening? Like, why are yeah. they making more mistakes? 
And so, like, and I said the same thing. I was like, oh, oh God, like, this is a NICU. They're talking about a hospital here. What is this thing? And when you go a layer deeper, what they found was actually, um, it wasn't that they were making more mistakes. It's that they were actually comfortable reporting them. So there was just an openness and a, and a realization that they were not going to be retaliated against. Mm-hmm. They were uh, able to challenge. They were able to push back. They were able to go, oh, man, I screwed that up. Let's fix it um, without the fear of, of like shame or, or repercussion. Yeah. Um, which is fascinating. So she coined this term psychological safety. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like when you have it's not about being nice or low performing or any of those things. It's about candor. Mm-hmm. and being able to have honest conversations with the team around you, yeah. um, which I think is like great. And then they've replicated it. They've done it in like creative environments, banks. They've done it in different countries. And it just always the same thing happens. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, in a place where you have psychological safety, you can make bigger leaps, better, bolder, braver decisions, which is really important when you're thinking about creative environments because we are the idea. Yeah. Like, you guys just think commercials get made? Like, Super Bowl shit just happens? No, it falls out of someone's head, and a team works <laughs> on it together, and then we make it. Yeah. Like, it's not, we didn't, like, you know, good luck plugging that into AI. It's not going to come out great. Like, it comes from us. So if we uh, aren't able to say these things, not that we're, like, doctors, but, like, you know, if we're not able to have that candor, our work suffers the mm-hmm. same way that it would suffer in a hospital, the same way that it would suffer in a bank, the same, same you would make more mistakes um, and, and be less less open with one another um so it's it's really really fascinating because part of what i'm doing now is i'm clocking that i'm like oh where what places have i worked where i felt like i was doing my best work they tend to be places where i felt like i had psychological safety yeah well when you said this Um, whole thing to me i was like thinking about my team at work and i love my team um we're a small sales team but i think about it and to be honest we we chime in on things like we ask each other because we don't want to make mistakes. So we're like, and if we do make a mistake, yeah. we're like we, we talk about it. We have conversations about it. And I think it's one because we feel very comfortable with each other and we're not afraid of the judgment or someone's opinion um, because we want to do the right thing. We want to do the right thing for the greater good. Exactly. And for the company. So that's yeah, very, and very part, interesting. Yeah. And part of that psychological safety isn't just like with mistakes. It's mm-hmm. about – I get val. I get worth through this work. Yes. I feel connected to my work. I feel the ability to take risks to make better work or to make my, you know, in my job. Um, it is, it, it, it's interesting. So Google for anybody who wants to go nerd out on this actually accidentally replicated this study, um, a few years ago. It's a thing called project Aristotle. Um, and what they did was they were actually trying to figure out how to, how to create super teams at Google. Like what is the best team? Um, and what they found was the number one underlying predictor of great outcomes on their teams was psychological safety. That's that's crazy. And you're kind of like, that's awesome. And then they were like, whoops, <laughs> probably didn't need to do this work, but great. But it, 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 anybody who's who's worked at or with Google, either as a client or a partner, um, there is a lot, there are high psychological safety on those teams. Mm-hmm. That's a client that like oftentimes in, in marketing and advertising, not all the time, but like sometimes you, you get a client who yells. I've had a client chuck a chair across the room. I've had a bad, you have a, a lot of bad behavior, um, especially back in the day when it was very like people were still hanging on to the madness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you don't have that with Google <laughs> and it's because the organization has high psychological safety. Like That's they don't amazing. need to do that. 
Yeah, just validates the, the research thing. too. It's like if Google said it, another, another person said it. It's like it's solid. Uh, well, that's great. We'll have to. Yeah, we'll all have to do our research and learn a little bit more on that. So that's everyone's homework. <laughs> I know. I'm like, sorry, podcast. Dr. Edmondson. <laughs> I just butchered your book. I butchered your book in like third in like three minutes. Sorry, <laughs> sis. Um, but no, it's cool. It's uh, I like it because you can also measure for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not that much of a data nerd, but you can, you can measure for it. You can qualitatively and quantitatively measure for it. Um, and, and you can figure out pretty quickly. And, and then also just one little, another little like earworm on that is like, if you go into an organization of 500 people, there will be teams that have high psychological safety and teams that have low psychological safety. It's not like, all right, the whole company has highs. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. It, it will vary by team and by discipline. Yeah. Um, but what's cool about it is it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert because it's about team dynamics, not individual dynamics. That's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, there is hope. There's hope for my introvert. <laughs> Everybody, we're good. Like, everything's going to be okay. You can have high psychological safety. You can love your job. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, 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 it's just something that I'm like, why didn't I know about this when I was – getting coached like I worked at a company a long time ago that would do um EQ versus IQ training mm-hmm. um which was really kick ass it was like you've got all the craft skills now you need to know how to not throw up in a room yeah like you need to know how to read the room you need to know how to carry the room you need to know how to hold the walls up when stuff goes sideways when a client chucks a chair or like you know whatever it is you need to know how to keep your head on straight mm-hmm. um to to kind of get through whatever it is. It, it's resiliency training really, but, um, uh, but it's, you know, can I read this room? Yeah. Can I hold, um, can I know when somebody's uncomfortable? Can I know when to prop someone up? Can I know when to support my team when they need it most? Um, all that kind of stuff. Nice. So. Well, thank you for sharing that. Appreciate that. Uh, we'll, we'll close out with just a few more things. I want to ask you what you do for your wellness and mental health on a daily basis. Yeah. Oof. Let me tell you, <laughs> like two years ago when they had like a crazy, like prime day sale, the calm app uh-huh. was like paid for two years. And then like you have it forever. And I did that. And I used sleep stories to go to bed every na- night, like a child. That's amazing. Um, it, <laughs> works so well um it also made me go read peter pan because i was like i actually want to read this book now like and i'd never read it and i was like this book is hilarious um and real messed up um why were we reading this to children um i also have a therapist so i do my own work um Mm. i had a lot of struggles with anxiety and depression particularly when i first went freelance it's a a very anxiety inducing um environment to be in Mm -hmm. um she's great I always say she's like my cool Tasmanian auntie. Um, so she she also can handle handle my relationship dramas because, again, I'm married to a British man. So sometimes <laughs> we just miss each other because we say the wrong word. A good example of that is, did you know that uh, pants in England or in the UK is underwear, yeah, not I trousers? I, I like, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Imagine the, the weird conversations where you're like, where are my pants? What do you mean? I don't know. Like, you know, like, it's like. <laughs> Yeah, things, yeah, little weird things. Um, yeah, little weird things. Um, and then um, I meditate a decent bit. Um, I'm terrible at it. Um, I do some yoga. I try to weight train. The gym is, I always like, you never want to go, but like, there's the markers for depression dr- dramatically reduce when you work mm-hmm. out. Yeah. It's significant. And it's like it's very helpful. <laughs> 
I'll, I'll just have to throw dude. the I have no idea. stats like, on oh. there for everyone because like the, yeah, the science behind it is just unreal. It's so crazy. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, cool. That's helpful. And then I, um, during the pandemic, I got a lettuce grow. Okay. Um, it's like this, it's Zoe Deschanel's company, which she's just cool, right? Um, and it's this um, container garden that you can put inside or outside. Ours was inside of our apartment. Now it's outside of our house. Um, and it's basically just like a vertical garden where you can put like fruit and veg and like lettuce, huh, see lettuce grow, um, like <laughs> in it. And you just like growing your own food. And I don't know, I, I've been joking that like, I not so secretly just want to run away and open like a flower shop or a nursery or something. So I think that's part of my like zenness is like tending to my lettuce grow. Oh, um, I love it. Which is cool. Cause right now I have like a, I have like a bajillion pickles. I've learned to pickle. Um, doing a lot of like eating of cucumbers instead of chips. Um, you know, so nice. But those are sort of my things. And then I think also your friends, like it's um, like I've had, and I know this is like a 10 minute answer to a two minute question. And everybody probably says, I watch my diet and I go to the gym. But like, I had an absolute meltdown, flake meltdown, like last year, I can't remember when it was. And it, my friends were able to pick it up. You guys were able to pick up, pick it up in the group chat. And my friend Lauren jumped on a plane mm-hmm. and was like, I'll be there. Like Emily drove in from Arizona. I'll be there. And I was like, Oh, thank God. Like, <laughs> I just need to like be around people that are not like that, that are like my biddies, yes. you know, like, mm-hmm. so the, a deeper level of friendship, no, not even do funny. anything. I just needed like people, you know? Yeah. I know every time. Well, I should plan trips, trips, but every time I try to do a work trip in LA, I try to see you as much as possible because it's just like, yeah. it's just so nice. It's, nice. it's such a nice break. And it's just like, again, doing nothing and just having fun. Yeah. Doing nothing. <laughs> I feel I feel like your your trips now, and I don't know if COVID did it or if age did it or if we were mm-hmm. just like right at that like really messed up age when COVID happened. But like, I feel like now I don't necessarily have to go on trips to be like, like if I, I can just go, I can just fly to Charlotte and see you guys. Yeah. Like I don't feel like I need an agenda. Yeah. 100%. Like I'm just like, yeah, no, I just, I just need to be there. Like we can just sit in your living room. I don't care. Like, um, so you're coming next that's weekend, what I'm going for now. Nicole, you'll be here next weekend. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> oh no. Um, no I know. See you yeah. soon. I know you picture a ticket already. I'll so. be there in January. Yeah, I know. That's soon enough. I have a, I have a random January trip. <laughs> like I'm supporting the, the economy of Charlotte in the dead of winter. We love um, it. <laughs> we love it. It's actually nice here. So don't worry. <laughs> um, and there's no, like, like, I get to wear a coat. There's wintry things to do. We can, yeah, <laughs> we'll find stuff. Um, okay. So in closing, uh, what would you like to tell all the listeners? Like one piece of advice just for them on their, in their daily life. Um, let's see. I'll, I'll leave you with the grandpaism. My grandpa has like amazing one-liners, hence my like deep seated, like internal Southern old man. <laughs> um, uh, and he always says when you're old and retired, like me, you're going to be sitting on your porch, sipping your drink, and you're going to say to yourself, I'm damn glad I did, or I wish the hell I had a. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, damn, Grandpa, wisdom. That means I need to go do that, right? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know? So I don't know. I think, about, I think about it like that. I think about – I say no a lot, but I also say yes a lot. I love um, it. And I think it's important to have that balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Nicole, for sharing your story. And – for encouraging us with words of wisdom and books to read and all of the above. (laughs) Thank you again. 
Yeah, thank you. It's been really fun. Yeah. Thanks for joining in. Remember to subscribe. Stay connected and follow me on Instagram at Mari Mari Burr and follow this podcast online at thethingsthatmatter.me. The Things That Matter podcast is produced in cooperation with Balto Creative Media and the Queen City Podcast Network. It is recorded at the Queen City Podcast Network studios in Uptown Charlotte. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. dot com.